0: What's happening, everybody? You're listening to another
1: episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. We have a very exciting episode for
0: you today. This is another Patreon-suggested topic, but this is an episode that I could seriously consider... You know, Carl and I, having done this, like, I'm surprised we haven't done this at this point. Because this is, uh, yeah. Carl, why don't you tell people what we have in store (laughs) today?
1: So, it's a little bit confusing. We're calling this episode, Pokemon Trading Card Game 2. And that is very logical, because there was a game on the Game Boy, I think, released in 98, called Pokemon Trading Card Game. A lot of people refer to it as Pokemon TCG. There was a sequel that came out a few years later, only in Japan. Now, that Japanese title was kind of weird. It was Pokemon Card GB2, and then another subtitle. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us over here. Um, So that's why we're calling it uh, Pokemon Trading Card Game 2, It's such, 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 such a good score. I am a huge fan of the score. Uh, just a little spoiler alert, my humble opinion is that I think this is the best Pokémon score in the whole series. It's actually one of my favorite Game Boy scores overall. So I'm really excited today. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting
0: is I-, I can already imagine some people, particularly listeners of the show who've been with us for <laughs> they might be upset close about to a that. decade at this
1: point. <laughs> and about this. Well,
0: Also, no, I could imagine people thinking like, gosh, you guys are really scraping the bottom of the barrel, doing an obscure sequel to a Pokemon card game for the Game Boy. Like, who even knows this? But the thing that I love about our show is I, I really feel like to the best of our ability, we do not discriminate. We don't go for you know just the popular things or music that's all that we care really about is if the, is the
1: music great or not?
0: Yeah, and this, like you said, Carl, this will be one of the greatest spotlights we've ever done for a Game Boy title because the music yep. is so exceptional. And it's like, yes, you may never have heard of this game, or if you have heard of it, it's likely. Maybe you've only heard of it through our podcast or some show-and-tell where we played a track Yeah, from our listener show-and-tell, yeah. Title. But the music here is
1: exceptional, and it's, oh, it's actually so quite distinct from a lot of the music in yeah, the Pokemon series. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a lot of reasons why people might roll their eyes if they're a huge Pokemon fan, is that this game, both of these two games, they don't really sound like Pokemon. <laughs> they don't remind me of other entries in the series. And this composer, who's a phenomenal composer, by the way, Ichiro Shimakura, I don't believe, worked on any other Pokemon games in the series. So it's kind of silly, and you guys know that it's not typically our wheelhouse, but I just can't deny this. Thanks, Michael, for your wonderful suggestion for this episode. Um, So, okay, another thing I do have to mention is... Uh, the second game, which technically is what we're calling this episode, featured all of the music from the first game as well as new music. So really, you could consider this a spotlight on both of the games. Um, so like, I would say 50% of the melodies we're hearing were first used in Pokemon TCG as well as new music in, in the sequel. So, oh my gosh, Will, do you think we should just dive into some delightful Game Boy music? let's do it i'm so excited what you guys heard playing in was challenge hall again composed by ichiro shamakura uh let's move on now to the title Uh, again this is from technically the title is pokemon card gb2 we're calling it tcg2 today here we go my god we weren't kidding around i mean some of you may have been you know having your arms folded but this is phenomenal you guys listening to the title um this is from the sequel and it's one of the few instances where he took um the the original piece of music the title if you listen to the uh tcg title it's the same basic piece of music but he did a new arrangement here uh it's amazing i love the arrangement on the game boy i love this music it's just so rousing and exciting amazing writing
0: Yeah, absolutely outstanding. Uh, What I love about it is it it sets up this sort of, uh, it sets up a musical cliche that it then um, surpasses because it starts off in this, which already for the Game Boy is kind of special to have this sort of, orchestral elgarian pomp and circumstance Fanfare, sort of stately yeah. thing and to do that classical style um, authentically on the game boy is already kind of neat and impressive but what i love is shimakura takes it like several steps beyond that introducing some yep. really colorful jazz changes some certain melodic ornamentations like that moment of the sort of bluesy sharp nine dissonance there were parts oh, of this so where i'm good. like oh i didn't realize this was written by jake kaufman
1: Yeah, it really goes on a journey almost through music history. It's it's a little more modern and jazzy as the piece goes on. It's kind of a short piece of music, but it's one of those pieces that you want to hear, you know, multiple times. Uh, Yeah, I'm so excited for this episode. I. It's safe to say that Pokemon TCG and Two, One and Two are incredibly underrated. Uh, I know there are people that are fans of of these soundtracks, but it's not something I hear a lot of Pokemon fans talk about. You know, we get a lot of emails and suggestions of other titles in this series. um, but this is one that I'm just I mean, there's a reason why we're we're doing this episode. certainly. And hopefully that is increasingly self-evident as we continue today. Let's now move on to duel which I believe was a melody from the first game that was reused in the sequel, Here's Duel. guys listening to Duel, this is from a Pokemon trading card game, and then reused in the sequel. This music today is composed by Ichiro Shimakura, and this is such delightful, happy Game Boy music. It doesn't remind me that much of other entries in the series, um, but it's, it's perfect for this game. Now, I don't know the gameplay of this game if it's If it's less active than a typical Pokemon game, uh, I really don't know anything about how this game functions, but the music is very different, and so it's gotta function differently in the well, game. Well, and
0: The other thought that I had, though, um, is, though it
1: is very different, I feel like there are several
0: musical, compositional uh, techniques that Shimakura does that actually does place it in the Pokemon series, as opposed to just generic video game music. For instance, in this track, we have the use of that sort of Mixolydian mode sound, which is actually mm-hmm. commonly found throughout the Pokemon series, and also that moment of the chromatic slide down Ba, 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 ba. To me really makes me think of the that is the pretty classic Pokemon, Pokemon theme yeah. da, 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 that, that sort of gesture mm-hmm. so it's like it's very subtle and it's very much in a jazzier style But I think kind of like the title theme that we talked about this track Functions in a similar way where it sets up Some musical expectations But takes it in a different stylistic direction To me it's kind of like if you were Going to do a Zelda card game You might want to evoke some of the You know the sound of a major seventh chord Or a heroic sounding Classical march sounding piece But then going off in a a Stylistic like lounge jazz Take on that that's kind of what I'm getting from Shimakura's score where he's Very loosely um, Echoing harmonic and melodic Ideas that somewhat uh, are reminiscent of the Pokemon series, but stylistically treating them in such a distinct fashion. Which I think is the right call for this
1: game. His melodic style and his, his gift for really charming melodies that stick with you is something that I wish the Pokemon series saw more of, to be honest with you, because I think the Pokemon series always nails the vibe. And the aesthetic, whether it's a town theme or a battle theme or whatever it is. But to me, it's rare that there's a melody that really sticks with me um, from the series. And and Shimakura has no shortage of those. It's actually kind of sad. Eventually, this composer moved on to more of a sound director role. Um, and so there's only a handful of titles that he composed music for which is kind of sad. But in any case, let's move on it's to... It's frustratingly sad that that is such a common
0: story in the world of game audio. And I think it's just yeah. because back in the day and even uh, to this day, honestly, in many cases, especially in more indie productions, which probably echo more what games at this point in time what their development kind of looked like but you know you had one person responsible for the music and sound and so many people found that their technical skills that got them through the 8 and 16 bit era in terms of allowing you know being allowed to compose music because they also were the only ones technically who could accomplish that a lot of them in this newer or in the recent decades a sort of environment they find maybe those skills Are uh, they're definitely useful skills in in sound design, but it's a shame that some of these people that are, in my opinion, brilliant composers, so many of them are kind of like I don't know they're on the bench or they're waiting in the
1: wings. Unfortunately, it's common. Well, this next piece of music we're going to play. It's called "Here Comes Gr," and I did a little bit of googling, and I found that Gr is referring to uh, Team Great Rocket which is a team uh, in this game that a lot of this music is centered around, at least for the sequel here. So uh, this is Here Comes GR uh, from Pokemon Card GB2 composed by Shimakura. Here we go. (laughs) You guys listening to Here Comes GR, and here comes the funk. Oh my god, this is progressive funk. It's so cool, it's so hip. Both Will and I were remarking that we've never heard anything like this on the Game Boy before. It's just it's badass.
0: Also very subtle stuff with fine pitch intonation that you can hear. Yeah. Certain chords that almost sound quasi out of tune, which I wonder was meant to evoke the sound of actual players, maybe a little bit of that blues, but also I imagine it had to do with implementation that to get some of those portamento effects that evoke shakes so snarly. Or
2: falls. Yeah. yeah.
1: Michael mentioned this in his email, but the music dedicated to this team, Great Rocket, which is kind of what the sequel I think is largely about, is very devious and cool. A lot of bluesiness, very different actually than most of the music from the first game. There's a little bit of that, that that he did in the first game, but oh my God, this is cool, man. It's weird because for me, Pokemon, I know the most about it
0: from the the TV show from the 90s. Oh, me
1: too. I watched it every single day when I was a so kid. So
0: yeah. I know Team Rocket. I know them like, yeah, I yeah, love Team Rocket. I don't and know what Great Rocket is,
1: if that's just the Japanese... <laughs> version of of those god we probably sound bad so
0: dumb I, I
1: i'm certain that pokemon fans are like screaming at their or laughing right let's hope they're just laughing uh, all right let's move on uh this knowing is knowing them they're hall. probably
0: screaming sorry pokemon fans
1: <laughs> this is great hall and i believe this was one that was featured in both games let's take a listen I sign off, I give it a 10, as if it was like a perfect Olympic dive, I'm just holding up my 10. Uh, This is great Hall, and it's composed by Shimakura. Featured in both Pokémon Trading Card Game and Pokémon Trading Card Game 2, uh, the sequel. It's such great music. A lot of this kind of stately March stuff reminds us of Koji's work in the Mario series. This could be a Mario kind of credits track or ending track. I love the Game Boy implementation, though. I mean, everything about this is firing on all cylinders. Yeah, absolutely. The rhythms of the melody,
0: the chords,
1: some like some of those
0: spicy, you know. Uh, where it's like the minor four over the five sound. Oh, and so get that, good. It's almost like a dominant with a flat nine kind of chord. To get that on the Game Boy, I think is so cool. But yet it's such a satisfying composition and it goes in all the little crevices that you want it to. It's that kind yeah. of piece of music where you can predict where it's going and it very satisfyingly completes that sequence. And I yeah. think a lot of Koji's music does that, which is why it reminds us of it. Uh, in particular, if this reminded me of one other piece of music, it would probably remind me of the credits from super mario galaxy Um, oh my god it's very similar both that's exactly
1: what i thought of when i first heard it you know and and it should should be mentioned that uh there's probably a reason why these two scores by shimakura really resonate with us and a lot of the other pokemon series scores don't um it makes sense stylistically A piece like this, at the very least, in a lot of this Regal stuff, does have a lot more in common with Mario music or other Nintendo series than Pokemon. So it kind of makes sense why we really love this music, and some of the other series' music just doesn't quite hit that same mark for us. I think that's true. Yeah, I I don't know. I
0: kind of don't want to get too into opinions that are going to um, make people upset with us. but Yeah, that's think, definitely not what I wanted to do today. Yeah, we've talked before about kind of like... It, it's not even that I dislike Pokemon music. I think it's just that relative to other like Nintendo series and Pokemon's kind of that series where it's like is it really Nintendo proper or i sort of think of it as like it's its own company that just Well Nintendo definitely has a musically share in. it feels that but, way. Yeah, it feels musically, like it's, it's completely it's separate. Um yeah. and i just think it's like you know it's hard to stand up with next to zelda and mario and i think pokemon as a franchise is maybe the biggest thing in all of games so i appreciate the nostalgia that people have for the music and i also appreciate that like you know music is subjective and everyone has a different taste i think for us it's both something that we didn't grow up with so we clearly don't have the nostalgia but i think when we examine it uh, not not this. This is freaking outstanding. But when we examine a lot of the music with that sort of fresh perspective, kind of. I mean, certain movies. Like, I didn't grow up with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and when I watched it later as an adult, it just did nothing for me. But yet, mm-hmm. there are movies like An American Tale that I never saw as a kid, but I can see as an adult and appreciate that. I think it's brilliant. So
2: it might I, be I a think taste it's kind of that.
0: Some of it is like this, clearly intended for a different audience, um, and. I I just I want to make it clear to our listeners that we're well aware that this is sort of our <laughs> bias, but we still hope that yeah. you can enjoy um, discussing the music of just an exceptional Game Boy title. I mean, I've never heard so the music that we've heard so far today. I mean, e- each one is like, I think, the
1: pinnacle of that system and what it's possible. Well, let's keep it going. There's so much great music. It's overwhelming today. Let's move on to Lightning Grass and Psychic Club. You guys are listening to Lightning Grass and Psychic Club. It's such a charming, bluesy piece of music. Um, so I would like to talk a little bit about what this cliche is in this track. I mean, we've heard so many tracks like this. It's this nostalgic, kind of sixties bluesy, shuffly throwback, kinda of elevator music. What do you think like genre wise, someone would ask for to to result in this piece of music
0: i would say sort of swanky old time jazz it's fun and it's playful swanky because it's got that swing rhythm but it's that sort of video game triplet swing yet it does sound like it's imitating like a walking bass line and certain bluesy harmonic gestures that are more explicitly blues or jazz than say like Uh, Mario music, like Koji Kondo doesn't tend to dip into the blues language for the Mario series as much, but other than that, other than that sort of harmonic bend, uh, in terms of the style of this piece of music, what it's going for, yeah, it very much feels kind of Mario-ish, I mean, it really reminded me of, like, Leisure Suit Larry, Um, absolutely it's kind
1: of like that the japanese version of that
0: yeah exactly it's yeah it's like laser suit larry or like lucas arts dream team meets mario because rhythmically Mm -hmm. and formally it's very catchy like a pop
1: song and it's very pure and simple well also hearing it on the game language It's right. just really, really charming. Very true. Man, This it's just overwhelming, this music. Um, okay, so the, the next track we have on our playlist, and I can't remember if this one was used only in the second game or in both of them. I can't remember. But in any case, it's Club Master Duel. Here we go. You guys are listening to Club Master Duel, and it is the most classic Pokemon sounding track of the day so far. Really cool that we do get this style. Um, I love that it also fits with the other Shimakura compositions, though. I mean, he definitely put a lot of heart and a lot of care into both of these scores. I mean, he sometimes will set up, I don't want to say a cliche, but a very familiar groove, right? Especially for a duel or a battle context, right? Uh, There's countless uh, themes in the series that that set up this same type of groove But what he does with it where he takes it uh, is always a little on the surprising side So I always appreciate that with with Shimakura's music. This is a really great dual theme Well, yeah, I would go further than that. I would say
0: this is absolutely Cliché like the, the style that's established is cliche, but I think it's okay to say that because every single time he transcends that. And I think... He does. Things, musical cliche... Um, I've been learning, I think, more and more to really appreciate that that's not... That doesn't have to be a negative thing, especially in games, movies, television, because music has such metaphorical meaning to most of us. It communicates emotions. It can give us a feeling. It can be empowering. But... There are certain types of music that give us a literal meaning because we associate it with a specific piece of music or a specific set of types of music. And so I think oftentimes media composers... Go for these sort of cliches As a means of communicating A slightly richer or more literal Idea Um right. and so What I think is amazing though is You know composers can do the bare minimum With that cliche because it's doing Its job you know it's it's setting The proper tone that you're trying To accomplish but to me that's sort of boring It's like it, what you see is What you get but what I love with something like This is yes when this starts off it's Like yeah I've heard this before I've Heard this in Metroid I've heard this in other Pokemon games. It's sort of a cliche video game vamp. But what he does with the subtlety of the melody, the harmonies, the form, the way in the confidence too of I love it's not often in this era of game music that we start off with such a long piece of... That's just
1: vamping. It's vamping on the same simple riff, the One same thing, simple bass Here's the thing that I think is the most impressive thing that Shimakura does with these two scores. is It's on the Game Boy. Very primitive sound hardware. He's able to really take your imagination on a journey he these pieces of music at least for me when i was listening to it i was sucked into it and and i and i really felt like i was in the world of this piece of music it's taking its time it's expanding it's mm. also very catchy very groovy yeah he just he creates a sense of imagination yeah, that dude, is so I, impressive on the i really
0: board. i really agree with you i think there's just It's really laudable, just the the level of detail and the confidence. To me, what was cool is it sounded like all of this music existed on a level above its context. So it didn't yes. just feel like, okay, I'm writing a Game Boy game. What's Game Boy music? It really feels like he's imagining more fleshed out compositions and translating those yeah. compositions unscathed to the Game Boy. Because if I were writing a Game Boy chiptune, there's no way I would start it off with just like 20 <laughs> seconds of do do dig da do digga, da, do dig a doo do by itself. It's like maybe if I had guitars and drums and real musicians to bring life to it. But that's what I think is so cool. The confidence of the of the minimal choices I think
1: makes it so exceptional. Totally agree. Let's move on to this next track. I think it's the second best on the day. It's it's amazing. This is the overworld theme, and I could envision this in another Nintendo series, maybe like a like a Mario game, but not necessarily a mainline Mario game, almost like an RPG Mario game or something. It's just so sweet, delightful stuff. This is the overworld from Pokémon TCG 2 we you guys are listening to a phenomenal piece of video game music oh, one of maybe God. the top five game boy tracks of all time this is the overworld Composed by Ichiro Shimakura. It's it's just phenomenal. One of the things that is so impressive about this oh. is the use of channels. There's a very few number of channels on the Game Boy, and the way that he's switching between stuff, having a syncopated and a staccato bass line that can jump between different parts, it's just so economical, but oh I mean, this God. composition is just untouchable.
0: <laughs> this is one of the best things I've heard in a long time. It's so phenomenal. Every yeah. single
1: thing about it. I mean, that
0: melody alone is... it should, I was joking with Carla. It should be illegal. It's so perfect.
1: And then when but the then harmonies take over... The
0: groove! Oh, the groove is so yeah, this great for a
1: Game Boy It's like funky. See, this is what I love about this track is there's a lot of Mario pieces or Zelda pieces or pieces in video game music that have this kind of really charming um, emotion to them, but how many of them have this funky halftime drum beat underneath it? I can't think of any. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I love, and
0: again, it's like- Shimakura likes the funk. We've talked a lot about musical complexity being born of two or more simple elements. And that's what I'd say is happening here. Definitely more than two, but every element (laughs) here is simple and that's what makes it great. That melody is so simple. But it's such an appealing phrase in the way it's harmonized it's and melody. rationally, you know, composed makes it interesting. But you put that kind of earnest, heartfelt melody, a really melancholic chord progression and a really funky, cool groove. And now you've created musical richness because now we're not just saying one thing where because if you just take the melody yeah. and harmony alone outside of the syncopated rhythm you get one kind of musical mood. You get the sort of melancholy, we're cleaning out the locker, saying goodbye um, emotion. But yet when you add that harmonic palette to something groovy and funky, that's what makes it work for an overworld. Because it, it was interesting. Yeah, it's, it's one like- of
1: those things where... And I think what you were trying to get at is it's more than the sum of its parts. When you put all yeah. of this together, it actually gives you a pretty unique emotion and a definitely yeah. unique response. I mean, well, and both of like, us have done this podcast for how many years, Listen to how many pieces of EGM. There's nothing like this.
0: Exactly. And, you know, we, we could get harmonic moments like this crop up all the time in game music and particularly the Mario series. But oftentimes it's like, that'll be for an end credits theme or some piece of music, yeah. music that's meant to be yeah, how very perfect emotional. That this is like the but, main map Yeah, theme. putting that... <laughs> in with some a, a more kind of plucky groovy element it just creates emotional complexity that it's like we're having yep. fun but we're also emotionally invested and engaged and whether that's 100% intentional or it's just meant to be hey if i write a really great piece of music people are going to enjoy this game either way this is freaking phenomenal and i want to cover really this is. in the
1: band i, I would wanna, be down like, Turn just, wait, just wait just I wait mean, there's another so track good. later today that i was thinking about eventually covering too so okay anyway let's move on to another kind of devious rocking track it's fighting science and fire club <laughs> here we go Will was saying when we were listening to this, uh, that it's almost like if Koji Kondo and Masato Nakamura had a baby. I would also throw in there a little bit of Takashi Tateishi as well. Yeah. It's such a unique combo. <laughs> this is Fighting Science and Fire Club. We gotta say mm. one more time, Michael, thank you so much for this suggestion. We, both of us are just kind of freaking out over how much we love this music. It's just
0: masterful. I'm dancing over here, dude. I don't know about you. Me too. You. This is oh, I was grooving so hard. The subtlety, the subtlety of the well, harmonies. Well, the confidence again, to when you do think of this the- gnarly of a piece on the Game Boy. Right. Well, but also just the difficulty of that, you know, with the, the channel limitations. Already when writing chip music, you have to be so cognizant of pitch material and kind of what pitches of the harmony you're trying to imply, which is why so much old game music was triadic. You know, three simultaneous voices, sometimes four. I mean, it makes sense to reason that you're going to lean on sort of triadic harmony chorale like yeah. harmony but what's so impressive is the composers that would evoke a more extended harmonic palette and something like this that it isn't just jazzy but yeah it's the particular voicings the use of parallel fourths and fifths the use of the blues scale the use of chromaticism in the specific way that the melody line and the harmony line both are they're they're both heterophonic polyphonic and homophonic when they both need to be so sometimes it's a counter melody sometimes it's just a straight well, harmony and parallel that
1: is a sign of really economical game boy writing is because you kind of have to switch it based on what makes sense for that part of the music Well, and also the rhythm keeping in like, mind that there's only a few channels
0: yeah to set up a groove you need more than just drum and bass Uh, You also need the sound of an entire rhythm section, which you you can't have on a Game Boy, but you can evoke it by having things like the melody and harmony moving at slightly different times. Things like... A melody and counter melody where the combination of the bass line and the counter melody create this effect of almost like a piano montuno where it's like we get bass, but it also sounds like the left hand of a piano. Those kind of creative choices are what made game composers of this generation so special because their music had a unique, ambiguous quality that isn't really possible in other types of music, which that's what create like ambiguity is so central to meaning in poetry. You know, people talk about the greatest poems are sometimes the most ambiguous. Well, I think game music is maybe the most ambiguous form of music ever created because it evokes genre and style and melody voice timbre but it's not so explicit about it so you can have these wonderful moments where an electric bass just turned into the left hand of a piano without it's all glued together
1: yeah Yeah. it almost doesn't matter yeah it's so imaginative okay now this is such a change of pace this is a a very minimal and sweet piece of music i love it this is rock and water club here we go listening to Rock and Water Club. This is a very special piece of music and I think it's one of the most challenging on the score because <laughs> these Game Boy sounds and the limited number of channels makes it so a piece like this is almost impossible to pull off. Now, if you were going to hear this with a really beautiful piano and flute live recording, I think anyone would be able to see, "Oh my gosh, this is a beautiful composition." But it's hard to get past the sounds sometimes. And so I could see this piece going overlooked because, you know, you have that that kind of piercing thing that happens uh, with this Game Boy arrangement. But if you really listen past that, which I was able to do when, when I heard this track, you're just greeted with such a beautiful piece of music. I think the other thing we have to remember is... So many game
0: composers were incredibly young, and they really came of age with the technology. And I think so many of them also learned composition from writing for games and from other people writing for games. And so what I think is cool, whether you look at a late NES era piece or a late Game Boy era piece, or honestly, so much of the Game Boy because it had a massive lifespan, is Mm -hmm. that you can hear the influence from Super Nintendo eventually into like PlayStation N64
1: era music. I'm glad you talked about that because the first game came out in 98, already a fairly late Game Boy uh, game. But the second game, I want to say it was 2001. And so we're in the GameCube era at this point. And so he has a lot of game music history to draw upon. You know, I was just listening to this again. What I would love to hear actually... I would love to hear this piano and cello. I think that would be a perfect way to cover this. I agree. Yeah, this is an example of a piece
0: of music that really is flawless I think on a compositional level, the specific yep. choice of the notes, the use of that Lydian mode that that makes it to me feel like Thomas Newman meets like Super But Metroid don't you see what something. I'm saying
1: where it's actually one of the rare pieces that yearns for a different presentation, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think, but that's also what's cool about it. It reminds me of, like, what Marty does in RoboGirl. Or it reminds me of that, that kind of thing where it's not being constrained by the limitations. And it's making us fall in love with the vulnerability of that triangle lead. It's like, yes, it's primitive, but there's a vulnerability to that. I think the reason you said cello is that sort of waggly cry in the throat vibrato on that triangle lead it's similar to cello in its really high register because yeah. of it, it, for that it's like an acoustic reason you know it's hard to play up on the really high strings so players often play with a lot of vibrato to Mm-hmm. Elegantly masks some of you know how difficult it is to precisely right. tune, but it gives it that vulnerable human quality to it, and I think that that's that kind of sound is what Shimakura is trying to evoke with oh, totally. that primitive
1: triangle wave. It comes across, guys. We're very excited to move on to this week's track of the week. Oh my god, it's so much fun. It's super funky, super catchy, super groovy, just an entertaining piece of music. Will, you're going to dance along to this one. This is Ronald's Theme, composed by Ichiro Shimakura. Oh my god, dude. One of the best pieces of 8-bit funk I've ever heard. This is Ronald's Theme, composed by Shimakura and the drum part, you know, this noise drum part, so expressive and performative, the bass is incredibly funky, it's such a catchy melody. Oh my god, yeah, this is how you do, like, funk music on an old system like this. I, oh, I'm in love i in love with this. I love
0: that spicy tritone sub at the end of the form. Yes, I mean, me too. This whole composition, yeah, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned kind of how 21st century this is. Not that the music sounds like other things from the 2000s, but just the confidence of really celebrating what do we love about game music well it's genre fluid for one thing and it evokes so much music of the 70s and 80s uh but then also just the confidence with writing for the chip i mean i'm sure the tools for creating uh game music were much more accessible at this point in time which means that composers like shimakura could Push the hardware a little bit further. But, I mean, so much of the confidence that we're talking is, isn't purely technical. If anything, it's it's the musical technique. Oh, it's well, the compositional I mean, One knowledge. of my
1: favorite things about this track is it sets up a fairly simple groove that repeats quite a bit. But then when those soloistic kind of, like, it's almost like it, it feels like it's this, like, Rhodes player who's just doing a little noodling. These, like, soloing runs are just so hip. And so funky. I just love those little touches. I also like that it
0: sounds a little bit like it's this is like the video game version of the lick, you know, the jazz, but it's kind of like the game version, the gamified rhythm of the lick. I mean, you just can't get more
1: smile inducing than that track. Yeah. But I, but I will say, I mean, it was super tough to pick. I mean, the overworld is, is in some ways tied. It's so different, but it's some ways tied with, I think the
0: overworld is probably still my favorite because it has the cool groove element stuff, but (sighs) it also has like one of the best music. Melodies, I think I've ever heard. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's hard to pick. I mean, the thing that I love about this game is that we really have evoked so many different genres a lot from yep. funk, a lot from jazz, but, you know, we get to Motown and fusion and pop music. And we talked about Elgar, classical music earlier. I mean, this is what yeah. we so love and want to celebrate about game music. And it's I so think true. this is what Shimakura probably, you know, grew up loving. I mean, that's the thing. A game that comes out in the two thousands, he could have grown up playing Game Boy games
1: in the eighties. You know, it's possible. That's a cool thought. I don't know. Yeah. Now, I want to compare this. This is cool. This is GR Overworld. It's a it's a tune just from the second game, and so I want to hear how the the Rocket or the Team Rocket Overworld might contrast to the regular Overworld. Let's let's keep that in mind. This is GR Overworld. <laughs> Guys, listening to GR Overworld, that stands for Great Rocket Overworld. um, This is just a piece that I believe is featured in the second game, which is technically what our episode is called. (laughs) Uh, A little confusing, but. Yeah, this is such a strong melody. It's it's very reminiscent of a lot of pieces of music that came before it. But, you know, Shimakura's making his own stamp on it, too, at the end of the day. I love the implementation. I love when that little shimmering arpeggio comes in. It's such a nice, twinkly color. Will, what were some of the things that uh, this track reminded you of when you first heard it? Uh, definitely, it reminded me of Shovel Knight, which is kind
0: of... It's a little bit of yep. a cop out to say because it's like shovel knight reminds me of classic game music, so it's sort of a a, a snake yeah. eating its tail kind of uh, endlessly reference. Uh, that's what, <laughs> I, and I think it's like so much of the music we write is influenced by Jake Kaufman, which is influenced by game. It's just like a never-ending loop, influences of influences. But I, I, w- another thing that this really reminded me of was music of the Star Fox series, uh, both the original '64 and even like Star Fox Assault. And it's interesting to For think sure. that this game is almost closer in time to Star Fox Assault than it is to '64 and certainly the original. Um, Yeah, which is it's kind of crazy to think about Uh, again. It's like we were saying Shimakura probably grew up with some of the game music that we love. And I think that's maybe why it sounds like Kaufman, because when Jake is writing, he has the confidence to evoke all these older genres, because I think he grew up in a in a time when that was made valid by other game composers. Right. And also it's like composers like this can sort of put their finger on exactly. Well, I like like. that.
1: That you're talking about, that it, it's it's nice to frame this soundtrack as almost like I don't know if it's fair to say that, but it's nice to frame it as like a different generation's uh, take on Pokemon or take on Game Boy music because yeah, it definitely, definitely doesn't sound like that first generation style. I mean, there's a lot more that Shimakura, um, you know, has in his toolbox and and can kind of draw from and learn from. Um, so yeah, it is interesting. I think the first Pokemon game, I think it was like 96 or something. And so you can definitely tell that this is just a little bit later than that.
0: I think what I would say to anyone who's kind of like, okay, why are they focusing on this obscure Pokemon card game? Like without focusing on the real Pokemon music, I guess what I would say is I think if you task and I'm not even just saying, you know, uh, I'm not even just saying, you know, Jinichi Mitsuda and, you know, Goichino's. Like, I put the challenge out to other classic video game veterans. Like, I don't know that Uematsu could write music like this. I really don't know that Koji could write music. That certainly wouldn't sound this polished in terms of the the 8-bit chip programming. Yeah, I for sure. I think there's a, there's a small handful of composers that could really execute something like this. As much as I love someone like Kenji Yamamoto, you know, we've referenced the Metroid series. I the The... the the craftsmanship here is, I think, the thing that's just so to be celebrated. Yeah, the I, confidence, think, we I think keep that's what's blowing us words, away is,
1: is not just the composition, which we're blown away by time and time again today, but we're also blown away by how he presented this on, on the Game Boy hardware. Okay, let's move on to another devious and fun track. This is GR Normal Battle. <laughs> how cool is this and quirky is this this is gr normal battle composed by shimakura and if this was written for the original pokemon game i have a feeling it would have been rejected because it's kind of a weird choice that this is the normal battle theme i love it so much it's going for this latin uh groove uh, kind of bordering on jazz at times but listen to the drums guys go back and listen it changes the groove a lot going from more of like a halftime kind of backbeat mm. to a more bossa nova thing it's just really interesting God, I
0: adore it, it well and, and it's like to me it actually sounds less specifically like Latin music in more like 50s or 60s jazz which I know has a lot of crossover and I think that would agree maybe why it's evoking the Latin but the specific harmonic turns here well, even the that, kind that of solo darkness, I mean <laughs>
1: What other Game Boy
0: score has a solo in it? Exactly. <laughs> it's just like well, and insane. And also the, the, the voicing of the chords, these sort of chords voiced in fourths, That it's a very sort of dissonant yeah. kind of voicing. Um, and it definitely makes me think it's of spicy. slightly this later is, This is a spicy musicians.
1: piece of music. We can all agree on that, right?
0: Yeah, and I love some of these, but the like beautiful sensitive chords that you get too. The sound of the minor four over the flat seven, which again, yeah. very this, hard to evoke on the
1: Game Boy. This is up there too. I mean, this really gives that Ronald's theme run for its money too. I mean, this is a phenomenal track as well. Let's move on. Um, We have Grand Master Duel. Here we go. Cool. You guys listening to Grandmaster Duel, such good duel music. I love this track. This is a great example we were talking about before where it starts out with a groove that is classic Pokemon. It's reminiscent of a lot of duel themes or battle themes, but where it goes is actually quite surprising. I mean, I love all of the twists and turns that this track takes you on. It's just really cool that chord progression is so devious and spicy. There's some kind of creepiness to this track, but it's it's also a lot of fun as well. This is such inspiring music. I get so inspired because of this
0: podcast. It's like every week we get to listen to such mastery. And it's one thing, yeah. like the episodes we did last week or any episode on a very broad topic that we're celebrating so much excellence. That's always lifts me up because it's great to get an exposure to that. But I also get this so is lifted one up game. by examples like this. Yeah. <laughs> one such video game. Vibrant musicality on display here for a game that really, I mean, it's the equivalent to me of like the Lego movie. You know, Lord and Miller really made a great comedy, an amazing piece of art out of a really kind of corporate uninspired assignment, which is make a movie about Legos you know it's just any ip that we can slap on a product Mm -hmm. to. so it's like it was a really soulless assignment and they made something of fantastic out of this and not to say this is equally soulless but it's equally kind of you know commercial schlock it's like pokemon card game the video game like what other (laughs) iterations can we do to make more money but it's like shimakura made beautiful inspired brilliant art well at the very least you could
1: say this uh it could have been something Thing that was a lot more reminiscent of the original Pokemon game musically. And that is not what Shimakura did at all. He was not interested in that. And we're all really grateful for that. All right, let's move on. We have another character theme. We have Imakuni's theme. Here we go. guys are listening to chocobo oh sorry uh, it's actually it's <laughs> imakuni's theme it's very final fantasy very silly this is composed by shimakura and yeah i mean there's a lot of silliness and zaniness uh one of the things that's so enjoyable about the score amongst many other things i completely agree
0: yeah the chocobo vibes are very strong with this one uh, I, I think what's interesting the use but of yet Lydian, I really like it. <laughs> the use of the uh, Lydian mode here, which is just that major mode with the sharp four, which we've often described as being bright, wistful, hopeful, evocative of childhood. But Lydian can also have playful or comic connotations. Leonard Bernstein oh gosh, always yeah. described it as sounding like a wrong note and being almost humorous because of that. I think that's more how you a lot of classical composers use Lydian. But what I love is there's a particular brand of that sort of quirky comic lydian that's very japanese sounding to me like i mean not just the chocobo music but anime music all the time japanese film scores and this honestly sounds like something that would fit in at home at in like the luigi's mansion series or something
1: absolutely yep oh my gosh okay we have three gr tracks in a row here as we're getting ready to close our episode this one's really beautiful this is gr grass and water fort Not afraid to throw in some spice as needed here. Chimacor is a master. I wish that there was more compositions from him uh, in his career. This is GR Grass and Water Fort. Uh, technically from the game Pokemon Card GB2, um, but yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just such great writing. I mean, it's imaginative, it's familiar and comforting, but it's also surprising and spicy. It's no, it's just... Ugh this is beautiful what a
0: theme what a great melody I mean it feels classic in all the right ways love the harmonies uh, hearing this kind of Game Boy ar- arrangement makes us think of other classic Nintendo Game Boy uh, titles and, and pieces of music but this melody is so strong it, it belongs in Zelda or Pokemon in earnest just because it's, one of the
1: strongest melodies probably in the game
0: it's heroic and heartfelt um, and I, again though Shimakura always takes it one step beyond both with the arrangement in terms of what notes are being played when, what the all the different elements and instruments are doing, but particularly the way these
1: melodic ideas are harmonized. The, every track yeah. has a moment of at least well, one I mean, surprising chord change. We have a few tracks left, but let's just stop and take stock here for a second. How many other Game Boy scores give us what this game does? I mean, we have these jazzy, funky moments, we have soloing, yeah. we have like a really performative drum part in a lot of this music we have really beautiful simple elemental melodies we have humor there's so much that shimakura gives us and we're not even done yet we have two more gr tracks that are that are really cool uh let's move on uh, this is gr lightning and psychic fort I was listening to GR Lightning and Psychic Fort. It is such a confident piece of music. Uh, When Will was listening to this, he's like, man, that's just sexy. It really is. Well, Shimakura, I, mean, like, I could not be a bigger fan of his music.
0: You know, we we sh- the names sh- popping around in my head are the greatest of greats in game music. It's like one minute right? I'm feeling Koji, one minute I'm feeling Masato, the next minute Soyaoka, the next minute yeah Uematsu, just... Jake Kaufman. I mean, it's like it's just amazing. Shimakura is touching shoulders with giants right now, and it- purely because of compositional talent and excellence. Effort, excellence—it's it, like that's what's so inspiring to me. Is this is not? It's almost like the there are all these great stories in game music. Whether it's Yasunori Mitsuda kind of having an amazing freshman effort with Chrono Trigger and knocking out of the park by creating one of the most classic soundtracks of all time. Or Yuzo Koshiro when he's, what, like 17, 18 years old with the first right. E's? I mean, th- there are so many inspiring stories of composers just kind of outside of their league, but by the The saddest power of thing is that skill.
1: Shimakura didn't get to keep composing as like a lead composer for the series. That would have been... Amazing. Well, I, w- I hope that our
0: episode brings an influx of attention to this composer and this soundtrack. He if deserves it. You, to any of our listeners that speak Japanese or are from Japan or live in Japan, if you have any way of getting a hold of this gentleman, I hope you I'd could just pass along. Talk with him how or at least much. Just let him know. Yeah, fondness, at least we have, and I'm sure there's an entire community of pokemon fans and just game music fans that are so inspired by his incredible work
1: so obviously it's a huge series there's there's scores i haven't fully explored and i definitely look forward to doing that but if any fan of the series uh you're you're hearing us really praise this if there's another score that kind of taps into this energy please let me know because i would love to hear it Uh, okay last track of the day other than the playout, it is gr fighting and fire fort Listening to GR Fighting and Firefort and Shimakura is a funky, confident composer. Brings it really injects so much life and character into his music, at least his Game Boy music here. I wish there was more scores that he actually got to compose. Uh, quite a few titles he's credited as a sound director. There there are a handful that that he did compose for, and I should check those out for sure. Mario Party 3, which is a great score, I know that he did that. I don't know if he did that by himself, but I remember praising that. Well, the uh, other thing that we have to
0: remember is that there really is no standard when it comes to credits in video games. And that's what makes it so difficult, is a lot of these terms have interchangeable meanings. So sometimes a composer is credited as sound director, and they wrote the music. And sometimes they're credited as sound director, and they only did the sound. Uh, and it's confusing because sometimes these are some of the same people. It's like Koji Kondo was, you know, did sound on Star Fox, but he didn't compose the music, yeah. but he's known for being a game composer. So a lot of the roles were very ambiguous back in the day, but it's really still the case now. Different studios create and invent different titles for what the different roles in it. It extends past music and composing and sound, but it's just the way games are credited in general. There aren't unions and there's not a real standard where the, you know, it's Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. There are specific, Kind of union rules that dictate how someone gets credited, the specific wording, where they appear in the list of credits. Well, yeah, that's There's true. I mean, like that I, in games. I
1: need to look into a lot of these games and just see if maybe there is some composition uncredited by him. I will say, I'm going in our archive here in. The, our favorite two scores in the Mario Party series were by him. Three and four he, he actually did, and that features our track of the week from that episode. was from four, but yeah, three and four. I want to go back now, now that I know a little bit more about this composer and realize how much I love him. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this was such a fun time. We're going to play you guys out with fittingly enough the credits and that's actually just from the first game it's the only piece today that's only featured in the first game but it's okay it's the credits composed by Shimakura and i think that's about it well any any other finding final thoughts you got today
0: well yeah i just want to um once again you know if any if anyone is fortunate enough to be able to contact uh this composer i really implore you to do so because i've found in my life you know sometimes you assume that people are constantly getting reached out to and you know that it's like oh there's no point in sending an email there's no point in sending a message but yeah you'd be surprised if you just extend yourself if you're honest if you explain what something means to you we've found personally and individually uh, so many composers especially in games that are just, they're so grateful to hear that because they honestly come from a perspective of, you know, I made all this music, but I never knew if anyone cared about it. I knew people were buying the game, mm-hmm. but I never really heard from anyone. I never realized it was beloved. And I think it's one of the great gifts that we can do to, and let's do it now while all of these composers are still alive. Let them know what the the music means yeah. to us.
1: Yeah, and who knows, maybe maybe we'll see another uh, score from him in the future enjoy credits thank you so much uh michael for your support and all of our patrons all of our listeners for your support this is a really fun episode i think that's about it anything else you got at the end will
0: yeah i
1: I can't think of anything
0: this just put me in such a good mood man i I hope it did you too at the time of recording carl's about to get his uh first vaccination so congrats Finally. to you man and yeah, best it's... of luck hope
1: you feel okay <laughs> been hard to wait but yeah i think i'm gonna dance my way over there uh okay enjoy credits my name is carl berggeman we love you guys
0: i'm will berggeman have a great week everybody
2: peace out <laughs>